other podcast land. You have set to dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino. Episode 165. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds with Rhino. Oh, he's a fun one. LFA flyweight Rodney, the captain. Kilo, he is so cool to talk to. I keep waiting for you guys check him out. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. Fight fam, we have we have the rare occasion last night to have one of those cards that literally nobody was bitching about. <laughs> that literally all of fucking Twitter and Instagram were all like, I can't wait for this. The return of John Jones, Valentina Shevchenko fighting, Shavkat Rachmanov. I mean, all these fucking crazy names. We ended up getting some fantastic fights last night. Um, just an incredible card, top to bottom. So we're going to break that down. We're, of course, going to have our drop of the night. Picks for next week's fight night, Jan versus Duvalis Vili. Uh, some awesome Q&A with some members of the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Rodney Kialoe is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So... APB, without further ado, let's go ahead and get our swim trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. Our first fight last night came at 155 pounds with Esteban Robovics versus Loic Radzabov. I think I got that right. So huge, um, a huge right hand behind the ear um, to Loic. Loic, they got the takedown, and then another takedown, and then a second, another takedown. <laughs> so, some body shots that really hurt. Loic from Esteban put him kind of down, kind of crumpled him a little bit, but he fought through, got another takedown, um, ended up getting the unanimous decision in that one. So Loic Radzabov beat Esteban Robovics by UD in that one. All right. Moving into our only Rhino Gang fighter on the card last night, we had Damon Blackshear, Damonsta versus Farid Bashrat at 135 pounds. Damon tried a, like a flying jump kick to start, which was reminiscent of um, when uh, Travis Brown got kicked in the face by Fabrice <laughs> but he didn't make any contact. I was like, oh, shit, it's going to be good. But unfortunately, Damon, like, was just a step slow. Uh, Fareed was able to take him down a lot and uh, control him a little bit. At the very – I mean, it was really Fareed win all three rounds. Um, Damon had a decent second round, but then he was, again, taken down again. At the very end, though – Damon threw up a triangle that was really close, like a triangle armbar combo. I bet you if he had 15 more seconds, he would have got him. But, no, all credit due to Farid Bashrock getting the UD in that one at 135 pounds. Moving into our third fight, we had Baby Shark, Tabitha Ricci versus Jessica Penne. Um, domination, dude. Ricci just kept on taking Penne down. When Penne would get her off of her, Ricci would just stand up and kick her in the legs a bunch of times. And then in the second round, dude, um, got, the, uh, got the arm bar. After that big judo throw, so Tabitha Ricci subs Jessica Penne in the second round in that one. Moving into the fourth fight, which was the foul fest of the evening, we had Cameron Simon versus <laughs> Mana Martinez. Two nut shots in the first round really hurt Mana. Uh, Cameron had a point deducted. And then there was like a bevy of body shots, body kicks, especially from Cameron. Mana tried with a few uppercuts that were landing, but Cameron was the one moving forward. Uh, he threw a really crisp jab as Mana was walking in, which dropped Mana. Um, there was some more kickboxing. But then a fucking eye poke, which was gnarly. Mana Martinez, you know, showed his toughness and kept on fighting. But finally, a late, late takedown for Cameron with some hard ground and pound, especially with the elbows. Got the majority decision because of the point deduction over Mana Martinez in that one. Moving into our fifth fight, which was at 170 pounds, we had Ian Geary versus Song Kinan. This one was awesome, okay, because <laughs> Geary comes out with a really nice one-two, some leg kicks, and he seems to be in control, and then out of nowhere, a thunderous fucking left hand 
flatlines Ian Gary. <laughs> he was down. But to his for some reason, and I hate when people do this, and we talk about this on the timeline APB, we talk about this in the group chat, we talk about this with our friends. Why on earth, when you drop somebody so bad, does everybody jump on top of them and try to finish with a ground and pound or a sub? Fucking stay on your feet, dude. He's got to go right. And you got him, you got him wobbled and hurt. Finish him that way. But he didn't. So Ian, you know, uh, was able to get his wits about him again, fight through it. The rest of the fight was pretty much all Ian Gary, dude. Those huge body uh, body shot combos he was landing, some, you know, uh, some good kicks, some good punches. I mean, everything Ian Gary was doing from that point on was really top tier and really impressive. Then in the uh, third round, he had a really nice head body combo that hurt Song Kinan. Um, he eventually goes down some hammer fists for the finish. So Ian Geary got the TKO in the third in that one. Some people, some people thought that song was song Yadong, but he wasn't. So that gave us an opportunity to make some good Yadong jokes that we yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. get to make. <laughs> Why don't you say yours? Cause yours was very good. Yours was funny. Fuck, you put me on the spot. I think it was something like. Song Yadong is often imitated but never duplicated. <laughs> yeah, Yadong is often imitated, never duplicated. That was it. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, like I said, it's like we, our group chat, the the eighteen of us, we are we are such Song Yadong stands, and we love every time this fight. So even somebody with a similar name is going to get Song Yadong some love, and we all love. You're dying to get some love. So let's go ahead and get into our next fight, which was Mark Andre Burial, or Power Bar as he's known, versus Julian the Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez, whose claim to fame is that he had Miley Cyrus right in his grasp and he fumbled the bag. But uh, <laughs> in the first round, Julian Marquez looked good. He was landing a bunch of shots. He, he made Mark Andre uh, bloodied up a little bit, and he was definitely in control. But dude, the second round was all Mark Andre Burial. He ended up fucking, I don't even know if it was 30 unanswered, 40 unanswered. I don't know. But he hurt Julian Marquez and just stayed on it. Punches, punches, punches. Inside elbow after inside elbow. And eventually Julian just kind of leaned up against the cage and kind of bent over. And uh, Mark Andre Burial just finished him off with a bunch more shots. What an impressive performance for MAB in that one over Julian Marquez. TKO in the second. Moving into Amanda Ribas. Versus Vivian Arujo. This one, 125 pounds. This one was fun uh, early because they were really both starting to throw a bunch of shit. There was a nice guillotine attempt from Vivian. The man it got out of. Um, they were both throwing hard shots. Not a ton was landing, but when they did land, it was effective. Amanda dropped Vivian and then swarmed around the ground, threw down a really hard gauntlet of GNP. It was it was close to being stopped, but it wasn't. And then it was pretty much all boxing in the third round. Uh, late takedown for Amanda really sealed it for her. So she got the UD in that one. Um, she was, you know, like I said, she Amanda Rebos is someone who gets a lot of credit because she's pretty. But I hope the narrative starts to switch more too. She's a really good fighter and a tough fighter. And she did a good job of when she was on the feet last night, really holding her own against a good striker like Vivian Arujo. So big ups to Amanda Rebos in that one. Moving into our eighth fight, 185 pounds. We were very 185 heavy last night. Lots of Lots of 85ers <coughs> or middleweights as we know them. So Dariscus Duplessis versus Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson looked great early. He got an early takedown, had some uh, had some ground and pound. DDP was able to get up, but then Derek tried to pull like a guillotine, tried to pull guard guillotine, and Dariscus Duplessis just ended up on top, landed some really hard elbows. Um, in, the, in the second round, there were some scrambles. Derek got on his back. DDP kind of 
um, got up and he had a ton of fucking shots when he reversed it and got on top of him. And right there at the end of the round, dude, beautiful fucking uh, couple of elbows and then a big shot. The, the, the towel was thrown in. Derek Brunson's uh, crew threw in the towel. And he actually ended up, so so again, TKO for Duriscus Duplicius. But the story is that afterwards, Derek Brunson put out a tweet essentially alluding to that he is retiring from MMA. So he didn't flat out say it, but that's what you read between I the lines. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, if you look at his Twitter, he's pretty much said thanks to everybody for you know, watching me through my career. And I'm paraphrasing, but something is really watching through my career. And then like my 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 uh, corner thought it was a good idea to throw the towel in or something like that. So thanks everybody. It was so I think Derek Brunson might be done. So uh, another win for Dariscus Duplicius over Derek Brunson in that one. Moving at 135 pounds, we had a snoozer. But I thought there was no way it was going to be a snoozer. Cody Garbrandt versus Trevin Jones. I thought this was going to be a fun banger mm-hmm. fight. Not Me too. at all. Nope. Cody, <clears throat> Cody threw some body kicks, but then, like, really? It was mostly a bunch of running around. I mean, honestly, Cody is faster and definitely looked like he had the better footwork as we, you know, pretty much knew was going to be the case, but Trevin Jones did not want to engage. He barely threw anything. Cody didn't initiate. It was a really boring kind of lame fight. Trevin came on with the last 30 seconds of the round. You know what I mean? Of the last round, he like grabbed him, took him down, but didn't do anything. So yeah, pretty boring fight. Cody Garbrandt got the UD in that one. Moving into the main card, we had Bo Nickel, the all world wrestler versus Jamie Pickett. Um, Bo gets a takedown as he always does, takes his back, slides around. Jamie Pickett fights the hands for a while. Bo kind of turns it over, gets into a gets an arm triangle, taps out Jamie Pickett early in the first round. So another uh, victory for Bo Nickel in his young career. We got a couple of questions about him later on in the Rhino Gang uh, Q and A. So stay tuned for that. So big win for Bo Nickel, first round submission. All right, moving into Jalen Turner versus Mateusz Gamrot. This was a fun fight, dude. A few mm-hmm. hard kicks early for Turner seemed to hurt Gamrot, get his fucking attention. He got the takedown, didn't do a whole lot with it. On uh, the second round, Jalen was landing really hard shots. But again, every time he did, Gamrot would kind of fucking, even when he got hurt, would kind of have the, the skill set with his takedowns to level change, get Jalen down. Actually had him in a crucifix, uh, did a little bit of ground and pound, nothing major damaging. And then in the third, there was an early takedown for Gamrot, but Jalen was able to get up pretty quickly, um, land some more hard shots. But again, the story became yet again, a late takedown for Gamrot. Ended up being a split decision for Gamrot, Mateusz Gamrot over Jalen Turner. <clears throat> this was like, you knew if it stayed on the feet that Jalen Turner was going to be have the advantage. And on the ground, Mateusz Gamrot was, and that's exactly how it played out. When it was on the feet, Jalen was doing a great job of hurting him, but then Mateus was able just to hit, take him down over and over again and not do a ton of damage, but takedowns are worth points. He got the split decision. No, no problem on that one right there. All right, let's get into our 12th fight, which was the fucking fight of the night, fam. Fucking Shavkat Rockmanov versus Jeff Neal. Holy shit. What a fight. So I did not think it was going to be this competitive. I didn't think it was going to be that. Me neither. Me neither. I thought Rockmanov would, would get him fast. Dude, Jeff Neal fucked Jeff Neal has been an incredible fighter his last two fights. Like, he's always been good, but he's been very good, especially considering that he, you know, missed weight. <coughs> he missed weight by egregiously. I think he missed by, like, five pounds. Yeah. But, like, Jeff Neal, again, I don't want to take away from his performance because Shavkat Rachmanov hit him with some incredible stuff. Shavkat was doing something that you rarely see in MMA. You see it in boxing more often. He was tripling up. His uh, his shots. He was doing, you know, with the same arm, 
like with the same end. It didn't matter if it was left or his right. He was tripling it up. And even if the first two were blocked or weren't landing perfectly, that third one seemed to be connecting a lot. Jeff Neal would get hit with three or four hard shots. And there was a couple of leg, not a lot of leg kicks, high kicks that Jeff blocked that seemed to kind of hurt him and rattle him. But he would just get hit and come forward and throw more of his own shit. He hit Rachmanov with some very hard, stiff shots. Rachmanov's face was bloodied up, swollen up. Every time that I thought Shavkat had hurt him and that he was going to take him down to finish him, Jeff Neal came back with something. He really showed his heart, really showed his toughness, and showed his skill set because Rachmanov undefeated, probably the biggest prospect at 170, and it fucking, it was an incredible fight. I saw yeah. a few people saying fight of the year last night. I'm not going that far, but it was certainly fight of the night and a great one, super entertaining. Kudos to both guys, but then very late in the in the third, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, they were up against the cage, you know, kind of scrambling, and Shavkat kind of got behind him and put on a choke, which some people will call a rear naked choke, but when you're standing, a lot of people talk, call it a bulldog choke. So he won by a choke from standing back position in the fucking fight, in the third round. So he got the submission, third round, Shavkat Rachmanov over Jeff Neal. But again, what a god dang performance by both guys. Kudos, kudos, kudos to both of you. Fucking awesome. All right. And then hopefully, hopefully, Shavkat gets to fight Colby Covington soon. We would yes, all he called him out. Call Wouldn't him that out. be incredible? I would love to see that fucking fight. I, would I don't too. think Colby will do it. I think he'll find a way to just weasel out of it because he's a weasel. <laughs> but, yes, I hope that fight actually comes to fruition. All right. Moving into our co-main event, which is for the 125-pound belt that Valentina Shevchenko has had for a long time. This blew my mind. I think everybody's. My <laughs> mind is still blown. Yeah, this was, and again, you got to remember, people like to just focus, like you can say hyper-focus on the finish. And yes, Alexa Grasso will get to that, but does finish Valentina. But if you look at the fight as a whole, Valentina was winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Alexa did a good job. She was coming forward, throwing that hard one, too. She was missing a lot. Valentina was missing a lot. They both threw a ton of techniques, but there weren't wasn't really high accuracy uh, for a lot of the fight. Uh, Valentina was throwing a really good jab and then those front kicks were all coming up short. You know what I mean? Those leg kicks had very little on them. She was able to take Alexa down. I think she took her down four times, but she didn't do a ton with it. You know what I mean? Those little tappy tappy punches, uh, nothing super damaging when she was on top. So I think Valentina was definitely winning. She was probably up at least three to one, right? When they're in the fourth round. Yeah. But then bullet Shevchenko and Alexa go up against the cage. Alexa does a very slick gets behind her and they go down. They roll to fucking Alexa's back. So she's got Valentina on top of her. She slides in that fucking rear naked choke. And again, Valentina was... Wasn't even under her chin either. It was right, on her was chin. defending with her chin tucked. Yep. And Alexa just fucking put the squeeze on. And squeezed her so hard. It <laughs> Valentina so fucking... Valentina, you could see her. She was like, gonna tap? And then like retracted. Like, okay, I'm not gonna tap. Yeah. But then she was like, I can't fucking take this squeeze anymore. Fucking, fucking taps her out. Alexa Grasso just leans back, puts her arms out. The whole place goes insane. I'm over here fighting off sleep, but I'm like, oh, Me too. Shit. That was the one I started to fall asleep on until then. <laughs> because the shop cop fight was so exciting. Yeah. But like, I, I was able to stay into it, but, like, this one had some lulls in it and some stuff. So I My was vodka kinda... had kicked in, so I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was getting sleepy. <laughs> So, so your vodka kicked in, my tiredness had kicked in, and we were like, oh, fuck. But then that happened. I was like, yes, fucking sweet. But at that point, I'm so tired. I'm like, come on, come on, guys. Let's let's get this fucking heavyweight one going. So finally, the return of John Jones after a three-year layoff. 
easily the greatest 205 pounder ever, often in the top one or two or three of people's um, GOAT or best of all time list. But he's making his jump to heavyweight, three-year layoff. John Jones and Cyril Gaon. And, like, Cyril Gaon is one somebody we've been talking about as one of the better strikers in the heavyweight division. But we all know his ground game is super suspect. And John put a stamp on that because mm-hmm. they go out and not have a very short time, but like a minute or so. Cyril throws a straight left, which John very easily gets out of the way of ducks down. Um, wrestles Cyril Gaon to the ground. They kind of scoot over to the cage. Cyril gets on his butt. John Jones, like, almost was gifted that fucking guillotine because Cyril was leaning forward with his right hand on the canvas. Like John Jones, like, okay, (laughs) put the fucking guillotine on him and cranked it. Not a very long time either. Cyril was like, okay, I got you. You got me. You got me. You know what I mean? Tapped him out the first round submission. Guillotine choke. John Jones is the, and new heavyweight champion of the world. Um, what a night, what a night APB. What a night indeed. The, the, matchmakers deserve big kudos as well because almost from start to finish, almost every fight on this card was like uber competitive, fun, um, lots of finishes. There wasn't a lot of knockouts, but there was lots of submissions. It was a really exciting, fun card. 14 fights is a lot of fun. (laughs) It is. The main card had all finishes except for one by submission too. Like they were (laughs) all submissions except for one. Like that's unheard of. Dude, and and you know, and some of them are not people you think of as being submission artists. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Alexa, like Alexa Grasso, Alexa Grasso her, only her yeah. second one ever, exactly. right? Yeah. And, so, and then John Jones is not a big submission guy. I mean, I know he's a few. Of course, we all know when he uh, choked out Leota Machida so bad that he dumped him on the ground. <laughs> he's not known as a submission guy either. So yeah, it was a very interesting, very fun, very cool night. So yeah, big ups to everybody involved in making 285 what it was. What a night. So. Let's go ahead and get our drop of the night, APB. Now, I'm going to fuck it. I'm going curveball on this one. I am, too. I, don't, I, am I don't too. know if this I've is ever interesting. picked. Okay. I don't know if I've ever picked. And it, it's possible. I don't know if myself or Drea previously. I don't know if we ever picked any um, winners of the drop of the night who ended up losing the fight. Oh. But I am going that way this time. I've got Son Kinan with his left hook against Ian Geary before Ian then later came on and won the fight. But. The left hook hit Ian Geary so flush, and it knocked him completely on his fucking back, head bounced on the canvas. We all thought he was out-out, but he, I don't know, he he pulled his inner tough guy out of, you know, and and was able to fight through it. But yes, I thought that was the best, cleanest, hardest punch of the evening and the most devastating one. So I got Son Kanan, even though he lost, gets my drop of the night. What about you, APB? Well, that's very interesting. I I like that you, that you did that because he definitely deserves some credit too. Because even though I mean you should you know saw his face after the fight, he he did a good job, like you said in that part. But so mine is gonna be um it's gonna be for Alexa Grasso because even though she didn't like punch Valentina and knock her down. You know, whenever Valentina missed the spinning back kick, she jumped on her, which dropped her which let Alexa submit her and she dethroned the queen. So I think that she should get my drop of the night. I fully co-sign on that. And yes, most of the time it's going to be a strike and that leads to a finishing sequence. But this time we're both going a little out of the box and I love it because it's my show and we can do what the fuck we want. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to ask you. um, So 
Did you think um, in round three, whenever Herzog stood them up, did you think that he should have done that then? No, I, I thought it was a little bit quick. Um, I thought that was crazy. And then uh, and then Alexa landed that illegal kick whenever Valentina, um, whenever they were both down. When they're on the ground, and yeah. She could have gotten disqualified for that. I thought that was crazy that he stood them up and then he totally didn't even say anything about her illegal kick. I thought it, look, it looked more like a push. Then it kicked like, like like trying to create space. But again, under the rule set, she still kicked her in the face. Right. They're both on the ground. So again, very totally illegal. Um, thankfully it didn't do a whole lot of damage and didn't get a lot of um it didn't have like an outcome on you know effect on the outcome of the fight. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. When I saw it, I was like, Oh shit, that could have been a that could have been a deduction. But you know, no one, you know, nothing really came of it. But again, I think it was the fact that it was more of a push. That it was like looked at as an actual attempt at a kick to the face. Am I, am I making sense on that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, she totally. To push. So, so that's that's kind of my answers on that one. Um, so let's go ahead and get into our main card picks for next week's fight night: Jan versus Mirab. I've got Ryan Span with the rebooking over Nikita Krylov. I had Krylov before, but now I think Ryan Span is, is angry. I think he's extra angry that he had to fucking wait and he had to fucking let all that go. So I'm going with Ryan Spann this time, beating Nikita Krylov by TKO in the third round standing. So Ryan Spann, TKO three over Nikita Krylov. What about you, ABB? Okay, well, I picked Spann the first time, and I'm going to pick him again this time. And I'm picking the same move, flying knee. I don't remember which round I picked him in last time. but I think it was go. two. I think it okay. was two. Well, then, then it's the exact same thing then because I've got Spann with a flying knee in round two. All right, let's move into our Rhino Gang fighter, Austin Lights Out Lingo. I got him beating Ricardo Ramos by TKO in the second round, round and pound elbows at 145 pounds. Yes. What about you, APB? I have Lingo with the clean KO in round one. I love it. All right, let's go to 205 pounds. We got Vitor Petrino versus Anton Turk something. I think Turkey. Yeah, I didn't know. I don't know his name. <laughs> I'm not sure how to say And I don't want to butcher it. So, but yeah, I got Vitor winning by submission in the third. Uh, rear naked choke. What about you? I have Petrino with a KO in round one. Oh, okay. Moving in 135 pounds, I got Said Nurmagomedov beating Jonathan Martinez by a very clear cut UD. What about you? I have Nurmagomedov with a guillotine choke in round two. All right. Now we're going to move into the heavyweights. And again, this fight could be exciting and fun and short, or it could be long and drawn out and boring. I'm hoping yeah. for Alexander Romanov. And I used to like Alexander Volkov a lot, just as striking. But uh -huh. I think Romanov is going to be able to push him up against the cage and take him down. I'm hoping for ground and pound TKO in the second for Romanov over Volkov in that one. What about you, APB? I have Romanov with the forearm choke in round two. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. All right, let's get into our main event. We've got 135 pounders, Mir Abdulashili versus Piotr Jan. And then shout out to my, my boy Juice, who I always tease for over enunciating things <laughs> and over pronouncing things. So Mir Abdulashili, Piotr Jan. Um, I've got Mirab winning. I think this is going to be a very close fight, very fun fight. I think Mirab's wrestling is going to be the difference. So I've got Mirab winning um, by UD over Piotr Jan. What about you? This is the one that I struggled with, and I've, I'm going to go with Yawn with the TKO in round four, but me, Rob, can totally get it done. 
Me and Ram knew all this I'm not gonna say it like I'm not gonna say it like you did. It would sound so bad. I tried to do that. It's so funny, God. I did a um, and you you heard it when I did it was months ago. I did a bit and I sent it, I recorded it, and sent it to Juice, and we still laugh about it and say it's so funny. All right, let's get into our Q and A with some members of the Rhino Gang. Our first one comes from the homie, the Rage Sweet Potato RSP. What do you got for us this week, dude? Okay, RSP question number one is. Some people have John Jones as their goat. Some have GSP. Others have Anderson, DJ, or Fedor. But there is one immutable fact about all of them. They absolutely suck at trash talk. (laughs) And he's right. They do. Okay. So who are on your Mount Rushmore of MMA shit talkers? And the same for boxing. Oh, definitely, dude. So for MMA and then... The, the first three are probably going to be pretty standard, I think, if you ask most people who are uh, into this. So, definitely Conor McGregor. Yep. Definitely Chael Sonnen. Yep. Definitely Michael Bisping. I mean, and I think those are okay. probably the three best um, at it. But the the, the curveball, the out-of-the-box one, I'm going Joanna young Jacek, dude. For a <laughs> long time, Joanna young Jacek was your preeminent premier women's MMA trash talker. She would talk shit to you, your face. She would talk shit to you online. She was very aggressive with the shit talking, which I, I, I don't like, I didn't used to like her so much, but I really come to appreciate you on young J chick. So yeah, my MMA shit talking around Mount Rushmore is Conor McGregor, Chael Sonnen, and Michael Bisping, and Ioana young J chick for boxing, which was much easier to do the greatest of them all is Muhammad Ali, and that's for both boxing and MMA. This guy was the godfather of trash talk, the best to ever do it, Muhammad Ali for sure. This one I didn't like to do so much, but you have to, and that's Floyd Mayweather, because not only did he talk a bunch of shit, but he really backed it up. He did exactly what he said he was going to do more, more often than not, and I've never been a fan of Floyd. I don't like him at all, but I got to put him on the list because he deserves to be. And the one I do like having on this list, my all-time favorite boxer, James lights out Tony, baby. He was an amazing trash talker. He still, to this day, we'll we'll talk some shit about you know current fighters and whatnot. But yeah, in his prime, in his day, James Tony would talk shit about you at the press conference. He would talk shit about you anywhere he could, and he would talk shit to you in the ring, which I always thought was funny. Now this one too, the last one is going to be probably <clears throat> to me is probably the greatest fighter of all time. We you know top to bottom is Roy Jones Jr. Um, he was more of a showboat trash talker like he didn't trash talk like the way some of the other guys do with you suck your mom sucks your your, your girlfriend sucks your dog sucks you know was it like they wouldn't rip on you dog <laughs> you know the way these other guys talk shit he was more of a shit talker like i'm the best i'm the go i'm the greatest and he would like do things in the in the ring that were to like show off and make himself look better so yeah i'm going with the shit talker from kind of at a different angle with roy jones jr so yeah muhammad ali floyd mayweather james lights out tony and roy jones jr so those are my two shit talking mount rush boards for combat sports so thank you very much rsp i think we got one from you a little bit later on in the q a as well so let's get into our second one which comes from our homie ty the fly guy from front kicks and throw cuddles ty what do you got for us this week buddy ty says what is bo nichols ceiling in the ufc Dude, in years past, I would be like, there's no way a one-dimensional fighter can get to the top, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at, like, the talent pool and the depth of 185 right now, it's more shallow than it's been in a long, long fucking time. I think he will run through his next few opponents using his otherworldly wrestling skills, right? 
But I think once he gets to that top tier, that Roman Delizzi, Marvin Vittori, Robert Whitaker type of fights, that's what I'll have to see before I can go like all in on if he's championship material or if winning the title is his ceiling. I, I'm just not there yet. I don't have enough after one, you know, UFC fight to really I don't have enough to go on, not, not enough to research, right? But yeah, once he gets up to Delizzi, Vittori, Whitaker, you know, that top five. And we'll see how he does then. Then I can make a better assessment on what I see his ceiling being. So great question, Ty the Fly Guy. Thank you very much, my Denver Broncos loving Broski. All right, let's get into the homie Jimmy. <laughs> it's time for APB to put her Jimmy Soon hat on and get it, give, give us our Jimmy Soon impressions. So go ahead, APB. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang. Hope y'all are doing well. <laughs> My question is, how fast is Dana going to push Bo now? <coughs> I think no, it's always I'm 420. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please. <laughs> it's okay. It's fucked up because, like, you've done that, like, at least 10 times now, and it makes me laugh every time, and it throws me off my game. So <laughs> I apologize. I fucking interrupted you on doing the ending for the Jim Astoon. So, uh, Jim, buddy, dude, I definitely think that Dana is going to push him to the moon. I think he wants to do it as fast as he can while sort of protecting him. Like, Bo is super talented and has a big-time self-confidence about him, which you need, right? Um, I think he's kind of the golden boy as far as, like, USA wrestlers. I think the U.S. wrestling community is kind of going all in on him being their guy. Because I know wrestlers love wrestlers, but, I mean, the most dominant wrestlers that have been for the past few years – are coming from Russia, you know, Dagestan specifically. So I think Bo Nickel is kind of like that, hey, he's our guy. He's our American wrestler. We're all getting behind him. So I think he's got a lot of fanfare. I think he's got a lot of people who are going to be cheering for him, rooting on uh, him and his career moving forward. I, I really would like to... I really would like to see Dana move him along faster than any other prospect, but also not, like, just give him strikers. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see him go against some jujitsu guys. I want to see him go against some other wrestlers, some guys who are, you know, significantly more experienced, kind of like uh, his, his opponent was last night with Jamie Pickett. So I think they're going to push him, and they're going to push him hard and fast, but I also think they're kind of going to protect him a little bit too and give him mostly strikers on his way up. So that's that's my answer on that one, Jim. Thank you very much, my dude. Um, and yes, it always was for 420 kids. Peace. Okay, let's get into our homie, Mr. B from over in New York. Mr. B, what's your question this week, my dude? Mr. B wants to know, after this loss, do you think it's time for Gone to get some training outside of his team? Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so when I fucking when I read this question, buddy, I started to think about what would be the best place for Cyril Gone to go to right now. So what I came to is he needs to move away from Paris, that's for sure. I think he should go to TriStar in Montreal. There's a whole lot of reasons it makes a whole lot of sense. It's still French-speaking, right? So he doesn't have to worry about any language issues. He still can speak French all the way through Montreal. There's top-tier talent that is comes in and out of, of Montreal and in and out of TriStar on a monthly basis. The coaching and the training partners, they're all of the elite status. He definitely needs help on the ground. All right, that's the most clear-as-day kind of a deal. And there are so many good jiu-jitsu coaches, wrestling coaches, ground-fighting coaches at TriStar that I think he would level up significantly in a very short amount of time. So, yes, I think he should leave Paris. I think he should go to uh, TriStar in Montreal, get the training from there, get the guidance from there, 
And I think that would be a great fit for him. So, yeah, that's my answer on that one, Mr. B. Thank you very much, my dude. Great question. All right. Let's go into the RSP second question. RSP, what do you got for us, dude? RSP number two is during the opening fight of the night, Joe Rogan said something along the lines of some guys just like to half guard and try not to move to side control. That was one of Randy Couture's specialties, his GMP from half guard. Rogan didn't mention him by name, though. As time goes on, it seems like the old guard get mentioned less as they fade into yesteryear. The UFC is celebrating 30 years in 2023. Which fighters of today and their specialized techniques do you think will be the ones that the broadcast teams talk about when the UFC is celebrating 35, 40, and even 50 years? So, yeah, dude, there's going to be some fighters who are often going to get referred to for specific things that they're really good at or that they do. Um, of course, I think in 20 years, people are still going to be mentioning Habib Nurmagomedov's um, undefeated record, his wrestling dominance, the Dagestani handcuff. Like, I think that's going to be something that gets referenced for a long time. I don't think we've seen the best of Yuri Prohaska yet. I think there's going to be more instances of big knockouts, big elbows. His kickboxing is, is amazing and is unique and got a weird personality. I think are going to be referred to for a long time. John Jones, overall greatness. I think that's going to be referred to for a very long time. Same thing with Demetrius Johnson, even though he's not in the UFC anymore, he still is the best of the best when it comes to the small fighters, especially 125ers. So yeah, I think DJ will possibly Cejudo, if he's able to come back and beat Aljo and win more titles throughout his career, I think Cejudo might get, you know, get mentioned as a, not just as an Olympic gold medalist, but as a multiple time titleist in the UFC. And then I would be remiss if I did not mention the greatest women's fighter of all time, Amanda, the lioness Nunez, two fucking belts simultaneously being held crushed Ronda Rousey's face. Has lost her title, won it back. Um, an amazing fucking fighter who who has definitely kind of changed a lot of people's ideas on on women's MMA because Ronda, yeah, she brought a lot of people in with her with whatever, but it was Amanda that really took it to that next level of this is what a knockout puncher can be in women's MMA, right? It's not just wrestling, it's not just submissions, it's not just jiu-jitsu. It can be punishing KO power on the feet. So, yeah, I think Amanda Nunez will be ahead of that list as well. So, Habib, Yuri, John, Demetrius, possibly Cejudo and Amanda Nunez. I, I did definitely feel good about all those answers. So, RSP, thank you very much, my dude. All right, we got a voice question coming from our homie, the Juicy Fruit, baby. Juicy Fruit, baby, take it away. What's up, Rhino and the Rhino gang? You know who this is and what I do. Looking ahead to next week's fights, Main event, we got uh, Piotr Jan versus Mirab Dualishwili. This could easily be a number one contenders fight, um, and they probably have said as much, but you know you can only take those things with a grain of salt. If Mirab gets past Piotr Jan, which I think he will, and if Aljo beats Henry Cejudo, which I hope he will, Aljo and Mirab are teammates, and they've said they wouldn't fight each other, but I mean, the strap is the strap. Like, what are your thoughts on teammates fighting teammates? Yeah, buddy, it's just like the reality of where we are in MMA. There are only so many gyms that have, you know, multiple top-tier guys in them. And eventually, a lot of times, you're going to have to fight your teammate, especially when it comes to gold. <clears throat> I don't see another example happening of the whole DC and Kane 
situation, right? And for people who are listening who don't know, Cain Velasquez and um, DC were both really good friends, both training on the AKA, and they could both see they're both, you know, really going to be going for that heavyweight title. So what DC did was he's like, well, fuck it. I don't want to fight Kane. I never want to even be asked to fight Kane. So I'm going to drop down to 205 pounds, which he did. Um, I don't think that's going to happen anymore, dude. I think people understand how important it is, how life-changing the money and the status and the sponsorships and the commercials and everything that goes along being champion, how important that is. I think I thought about it like this, Juice, like my best friend who asks questions almost every week, didn't this week, by the way, but my best friend, Doc, who answers, asks questions almost every week, he, he's been my best friend for 30 years. That's the majority of our lives. And if we were both MMA fighters and we had to fight for the title, we would do it. I would do it. He would do it. And we would not like each other for eight weeks or whatever and have to kind of go our separate ways. Um, and then after the fight was over, you know, hug and become best friends again. So I think that's something you have to be prepared to do in this game is fight your teammate and possibly fight one of your closest friends. I just, I just see that happening more and more often as we move forward and the sport keeps on growing and, um, certain gyms are, you know, churning out the best of the best in certain divisions. So yeah, I think it's going to have to keep on happening, dude. So that is my answer on that one. Make sure you check out Juicy Friendly Sparring Pod. Thank you so much for that question. Juicy Fruit, baby. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with LFA flyweight Rodney, the Captain Kilo. He, after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom? or an end table for the family room. We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhinos, proud sponsor. Oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds around this week. Fam, when you're on a ship, you need a captain. You need someone who's going to have the wheel, steer you away from the from the the, 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 the rapids, from the high water. You're going to get somebody who's going to get you to the end safely. And we we got ourselves our very own captain this week, LFA flyweight Rodney, the captain, Kalo. He is joining us. Rodney, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, nice to nice to meet you, Rhino. Nice to talk with you today, brother. Absolutely, homie. We are super stoked to have you on. So, Rodney, the first round with Rhino is always the same week in and week out, and I never get tired of it. I absolutely love hearing the origin story. What's the background story of how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, dude? Um, man. I kind of just grew up being athletic. I uh, played football my whole life. Um, 
I was actually a pretty, pretty good football player. Just my size kind of helped me from playing at the next level after high school. Um, growing up in Hawaii, we do a lot of like backyard boxing or like just wrestling with our friends in the grass growing up. So I was about 19 years old, started kickboxing. I was living out in Washington, started kickboxing, got a kickboxing coach who I ended up moving in with. Um, shout out to my coach, Big Will, Lethal Limbs Academy. Um, but that's who I, you know, started with. Was there for a few years with him. We ended up taking off to Thailand for like six months. I fought some Muay Thai out there. Um, and that was my first time fighting for some money. Came back to America and, you know, fighting Muay Thai in America for some money is kind of hard. I made the transition to MMA right after and um, never looked back, man. The four ounce gloves are unforgiving and I I, uh, I enjoy, uh, I guess you could say the thrill of it. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> uh, so yeah, 2016, I made the transition over to MMA, 2015, 2016. And um, yeah, kind of been all over the place. Uh, lived out in Albuquerque for a little over five years. Uh, me and my f now fiance and baby mama were out there training at Jackson Wink Academy. We were there for a good amount of time. Um, now we have a little family, so a little closer to home. We're in the Ninth Island. We're out here in Vegas training out right. of the couture. Uh, so yeah. That, that's kind of been the journey, been all around the place, kind of settled here in Vegas now and um, uh, ready to build and, and move my way up. Very, very cool, my dude. Now, speaking of building your way up, at the time you and I recorded this, we're about three weeks out from uh, the next scrap at LFA 155. Was there a specific aspect of your game for this camp that you really wanted to level up, Rodney, or was this kind of another situation where I know what I've got to do, I just got to sharpen up everything, or was there a part of you that were like, look, this is one aspect I really want to get to the next level during this camp? Um, not necessarily, I would say. I feel like I've kind of just been working all around over for the past maybe year, year and a change, couple months there. Since my last bout, I was scheduled to fight at Niagara Falls for LFA last August. Um, my opponent had some complications and uh, never made it to weigh-ins. Um, so I flew out. It was supposed to be the co-main event last year, August. So that didn't happen, and I had an entire year layoff. Um, but since, you know, since my last bout that I did have, since that loss, I've kind of just built everything, man. I've kind of just... Um, finally built a team around me and, you know, got some coaches and just uh, really immersed myself in every aspect of the game, man. I feel like I've evolved in my grappling and I, I'm a striker through and through from the beginning, but uh, I feel like I've added so many tools to the toolbox and um, sharpened up so many um, simple things that some fighters, uh, I think, miss. Sure, dude. No, that sounds awesome. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for fucking LFA one fifty five. So your opponent that night is Avaro Prado. Um, I don't know much about him. What if anything do you know about him and what you'll be ready for, like what he brings into the cage that night? Mm, I mean, I don't know too much. I haven't seen too much film. I've seen a little yeah. bit. I watched his last fight for LFA. Um, he fought uh, Cody Davis. He ended up getting submitted in like the first couple minutes, maybe two or three minutes into the first round. Um, so I'm expecting him to probably want to try and stand up, you know, that's probably where he looks most comfortable. Um, I peeped a little bit of one of his other fights and yeah, he looks like he's going to want to kickbox and kind of like point play maybe. Um, so yeah, 
just gonna go out there and do my thing, man. Go out there. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's the only fight that I've seen. Because I've had I've had Cody Davis on my show, and uh, that's the only fight that I've seen from uh, Prado or Prado, however you're supposed to pronounce it. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's all. That's all I've got on him. So I didn't know if you had any more insight to him. But yeah, dude, I I would love. We would all love for it to be a uh, kickboxing match for for the first at least the first few minutes because we all know who's coming out on top and that's the captain baby yeah, all right ready so. to go to work <laughs> hell yes sir so dude the uh the name captain is a really interesting and unique nickname in the world of mma who where did you get that who gave it to you what were the circumstances around it uh, just my original kickboxing coach, you know, we were like a small town kickboxing gym in Little Olympia, Lacey area, Washington. And um, we just had like a little team. Um, growing up playing football, I was always kind of like a team captain kind of guy. Um, kind of like taking on a leadership role without really having to. I just kind of lead by led by example at the time for a person at such a young age, you know, 19, just learning how to kickbox. Um, so he kind of just called me the captain. You know, I'm from Hawaii. Um Sail the seven seas, man, looking for all the smoke, you know? So Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I fucking love it. That's so funny because I just rewatched um I just rewatched Game of Thrones, the entirety of uh, all the seasons of that. There's so much sailing on that right. show, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just said seven seas. I nearly snapped back into last night watching them sail all over the place, dude. And I love the idea of you being like a like a mercenary for hire. Uh, 100%. I'm more of a yeah. I'm more of a pirate kind of captain, you know. Yeah, yeah dude, I fucking love that. It's awesome. So, buddy, your your homie Rhino is about six one, about two eighty. I fought most of my career about two hundred and seventy pounds. So, I don't know what it's like to to make one twenty five. Now, you're you're not a humongous twenty five, but you're not a small twenty five either. Do you think that twenty five is where you're going to stay? For the remainder of your career, or will you kind of look maybe a few years down the road of if I got to move up to 35, I will? You know, um, I started my career out at 35 when I transitioned from uh, kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, I was kind of just really heavy from football transitioning into fighting. So, like, my first amateur kickboxing match was like a catch weight of 150 pounds. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, like, I kind of worked my way down to 35. Um, MMA, my first few fights were at 135, and then after moving to Albuquerque, um, I kind of just started walking a little leaner, and then I made the move to 25. The first few cuts, I expected that later on, maybe in my 30s, I would have to uh, move up back to 35. Um, but my last few weight cuts and camps, you know, um, it's been going smooth, man. I kind of got it down to a science where I know my body very well. Um, my body's maturing more, and uh, I feel like I, I kind of have my man body now. And uh, yeah. I just, uh, I feel like uh, I'm ha- happy and healthy at 25. We're going to ride it out, see see where it takes me. Very cool, my dude. Now, this is an interesting question that I, I've been presenting for the last few months. And it's so funny, Rodney, because some people know immediately what their answer is and other people really struggle with it. So we're going to see which category you fall into. If professional fighting was not an option, if there was no such thing, that's professional fighting. They were still fighting, but it was all amateurs. So you had to have a career or a job in some other field. What do you think you would be doing, you know, as a career to make money for you and your family, bro? Um, that's a that's a pretty good question. Um, I originally, when I moved to um, Washington from Hawaii right after high school, um, I was taking up fire science. Um, I originally oh. wanted to be a firefighter, but uh, in, instead of fighting fires, I... I fight people. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, that was always something I was always intrigued in. Um, so firefighting would, would be cool. Um, I, if 
like I wasn't too old to go back to school and, and get that stuff done, you know? Um, but, uh, firefighting would be a cool option. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think about some things like, uh, some real estate stuff, you know, doing some classes and courses, but, um, firefighting would probably be the most exciting. Firefighting, um, law enforcement and construction, I think are the biggest answers that I've gotten from a lot of people. So yeah, that, you know, that, that not being stuck in the office is pretty much what everybody wants to avoid. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm an part. athlete to the fullest, you know. <laughs> right, right, doing something physical. Uh, that's definitely been a, a popular answer. Yeah, I love that, dude. Now, uh, when we are fighting, and we fighting takes up so much of our time, it takes up so much of our mental space. Um, but sometimes we need a break, dude. We need to get away. We need to turn our brain off, away from the cage, away from the fight world. What are some things that the captain likes to do to just chill, have nothing to do with MMA or the fight world, just chill, have some fun, relax? What are some things you like to do, dude? Uh, man, just kick it with the boys. Um, cruise. We usually play a lot of pickleball. If you've ever heard of pickleball, I do know pickleball. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Me and uh, me and a bunch of the boys, we do play pickleball. Me and uh, my number one training partner, Alpuni Pagoa. Uh, we play a lot. Our good friend Maki Pitolo, Coconut Bombs. He's kind of the one that's got everybody on the train. You know, we got Boston Boom Boom Thamen. We all play together. Cody Stamen will make it out. Sometimes we'll catch guys like Joseph Benavides at the court and stuff. So, like, um, it's a good way to get competitive and athletic with your friends and um, kind of just get outside, too. So, it's um, something I like to do. Pickleball has kind of been the big thing maybe for almost the last year for me. Maybe eight months I've been playing. Very cool, dude. Now, that is, of all my interviews, that is my first pickleball reference. I have to yeah, know. Pickleball so is where <laughs> That's right, homie. All right, very cool. So, I, we talked about weight cutting a little bit ago, but, you know, it, it's just part of it. It's part of what everybody has to do as far as, uh, you know, the professional MMA world. But when you get done with the weight cut, you get done with your fight, you, you're out with your friends, your family, the training partners, everybody's having a good time. What are you going to eat that you've been, like, kind of missing out on and where are you going to get it from? Man, uh, I mean, just uh, now that I'm out here in uh, the Ninth Island in Las Vegas, like we have a lot of access to like local Hawaii foods and stuff like that. Um, so that's probably my big go to. We eat a lot of rice and a lot of a lot of carby stuff and um, probably like a Hawaiian plate lunch, you know, some Kahlua pig, some lao lao, um, garlic chicken, fried noodles, something like that from uh, probably from our guy, Uncle Frank over at okay. Hawaiian Barbecue. If you're ever in town in Las Vegas, bro, you got to check him out. Yeah, I definitely do. And I am, I am planning on getting out to Vegas this July. Um, that's kind of the plan right now for the, you know, for that two day uh, UFC fan fast deal that they have during, during international fight week. That's the plan. So yeah, I'll definitely check out uncle Frank's. I, I I've never been to Hawaii, but I have been to a couple of Hawaiian restaurants and I remember getting, um, it was a hamburger patty, two scoops yeah. of rice, some potato mac salad, potato and mac salad, and uh, I think they just called it a plate lunch, if I'm remembering correctly. Probably like a um, like a hamburger steak plate lunch. Like, did yes. it have some gravy? Got some brown gravy on there? Yes, yes, it certainly yes. did. Yes, that is uh, a fire. But if you got some eggs on there, it's a local moco. A local moco, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember watching that mm -hmm. on Bizarre Foods when he went out to, uh, to Hawaii for that. The local moco, yes. But I don't, I don't think I had that. I think I just had the plate lunch. Um, at the Hawaiian place that I went to. So, yeah, dude, I definitely, there's a lot of things. I would love to try Kahlua Pig. I would love to try a lot of the things man, that I've garlic, seen come out of there. Some of, his, some of his fried noodles. If you make it out to a shop, try his fried noodles, man. Those are too Dude, 
I'm in. I'm fucking in, broski. So, <laughs> so, Rodney, we have made our way. We have careened our way into the easiest round of them all, dude. This is the 10th round with Rhino, and this is just where you share your social medias. Dude. So, like, people in the Rhino gang, my listeners, we can all follow along in your career. We can get on board the train with the captain at the helm and uh, following your career moving forward. So, where do we find you on social media, dude? Um, you can follow me on uh, all handles. would be at Captain Kealohi, at Captain K-E-A-L-O-H-I. Um, and yeah, I'm real active on Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active and you can keep up with my career and how the rest of this camp's going and going into this fight and going to get this victory, man. You can follow me uh, on Instagram for that. Fuck yeah, dude. All right, fam. Let's all check him out on Instagram. This is my man, Roddy, the Captain Kealohi. He is he is so explosive. He is so fun to watch. You know those 125ers? You know how they look in that cage. Well, he's that times two with the speed, with the ferocity, and with yeah. the kicks. It is awesome. Really, really fun to watch. So let's all check him out at LFA 155 in about three weeks on UFC Fight Pass. Rodney, once again, we appreciate you taking the time out to go 10 rounds around today, dude. And best of luck, best of skill moving forward at LFA 155, my guy. Right on, Rhino. Appreciate you, man. You have a blessed one, brother. This is Rodney, the Captain Kealohi, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Rodney, thank you so much, dude. That was so fun. <laughs> you know, APB, it was one of those deals where, like, oftentimes when we get off the recording, um, you know, we'll talk. I'll talk to the fighter. They'll talk to Wall and talk about something for a minute or two, which is fun and cool. But, like, sometimes you end up talking for a long time after. And that's what Rodney and I did, dude. We were just... We were having a great time. Fun. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really a good time. And uh, he's an awesome fighter. And he's coming up on a, on a card pretty soon. There's going to be a ton of Rhino Gang fighters on. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, so, again, thank you so much, Rodney. All right. Let's get in our shout outs to our outro and forum contributors to the Rage of Sweet Potato times two. To our homie Ty, the fly guy from Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles. To my guy, Jim Asun, the OG. To our dude, Mr. B. To the Juicy Fruit Bebe. To, of course, APB for being the co-host with the Mo-host. To some members of the Rhino Gang who are very supportive with our uh, sharing the show and retweeting and whatnot. So, Brat, Miss Fight Diva, Jessica from What's Up Weirdo, Hunter, Sammy, Fabian the Man of Mayhem, Cyrus King, Tempting Tory, Filthy Casual, Tom and Sandy, the homie Kairos, Chisanda, Mike Morgan, Jillian, Katie, Jason, Chrissy and Monica, my underdog MMA peeps, of course, to all the Rhino Gang GC for all your love and support week in and week out. Love you guys. To the feature play, Andrea. To D-Rain's the best engine there in the biz, who was actually in Vegas this weekend. Very cool for him. So there'll be a slight delay on the show coming out, but it'll be out. It'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. So D-Rain's the best engineer in the biz. And, of course, to Jay at JMMA4 on Twitter and also at JMMA on, um, on YouTube fantastic poster again this week the kid keeps knocking them out of the park we really really appreciate you jay so once again fam we want you everybody to have a good week reach out to somebody even talk to well whether it's a friend or a family member as we love to say around here love is greater than hate and we will see you next week Gates up!